to uh, our KPC podcast, Deeper Still, where Steve and I are just taking a little bit of time each week to look back at the sermon that was preached and uh, just to kind of take a deeper look, maybe a few extra minutes to run with some themes that maybe did or did not get talked about. So uh, we've been um, in the midst of a, se- a four-week series that we just ended on the things we leave behind from Hebrews 11, 12, 12, 12 right? <laughs> 12, 1 and 2. Um, week 1 was shame. Week 2 was offense. Week 3 was unforgiveness. And then this past Sunday, Mark preached on entitlement. So these are the things that we, as we run the race of faith, uh, pressing on, these are the things that so easily entangle us. Four of them, obviously there are more, but these are four really powerful ones that can easily entangle and ensnare us as we, uh, so we want to let go of them. So we're going to talk today about entitlement. Yes, entitlement. So just to to begin with the kind of a baseline definition of entitlement, it is a belief that one is deserving or entitled to certain privileges. So this has a lot to do, everything to do with what we believe we are deserving of, but even more narrowly, it's when we feel that we have a special right to something. Um, So... This one's a little sensitive for all of us because uh, if there is an American way, this is the American way. You know, we are um, special people. Um, you know, we are uh, we're set apart. We're great. We can do anything we set our mind to. Um, but even even when it comes to the church, uh, Mark dove into uh, that whole painful area of how. We believe that because we're in the church, we've been a part of the family of God for perhaps longer than someone else, or we contribute more significantly, that we believe the blessing is greater for us, that um, we are truly deserving and are often indignant and, and aghast when we uh, experience the, the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So entitlement. Um, so let, let's kick this around a little bit. Yeah, I thought... I, I thought um... The parable that he well, he gave several biblical examples of entitlement, but the, the one that really kind of resonated with me the most was the parable of the workers, you know, who go, show up and they're paid all the same amount. So the, the workers who got there at 8 a.m. and worked all day through the hot sun and then the ones who showed up five minutes before or 10 <laughs> That would be me. Um, <laughs> and and got paid the same. Um, and then they were indignant, right? Because the, the ones who had worked all day. Yeah, it's really funny because, you know, it, it depending on who you are in the parable, you're either just devastatingly angry over right. uh, getting the same amount of pay as someone who showed up for the last hour but if you're that guy who showed up in the last hour, you are just so grateful. You can't right. believe your good fortune. And what's hard about that parable 
is that it is a kingdom of God parable. There's no question about it. God in in the parable is that landowner uh, or you know that that foreman who is making the contracts. He's paying everybody, and it's just unmerited mercy of God. Right. God is merciful. He gives with without favor on one hand, but it's also like everyone is his favorite. This is just the heart of God. It's generous. It's lavish. He keeps his word. And, um, you know, all are, everyone receives the same Mm -hmm. thing and it's more than, um, you know, they would normally get anyway, anywhere anyway, but it's just, here is the mercy of God. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy who says yes to Jesus five minutes before he dies enters into the kingdom of God, just like the person who said yes when they were 10 years old and were baptized and spent a lifetime in the church. The human side of that is so hard, though. We do believe we are so merit-based, so performance-driven as people. Um, You know, we like like Mark pointed out, we get real hung up on fairness Mm -hmm. and kind of like a Sally from, from, uh, uh, you know, the, the Charlie Brown Christmas um, right, she, yeah. She's yeah. She's writing that I letter to Santa Claus. <laughs> all I want is what's uh, you what's know. All I want me. is what's coming to me. All right. I want is my fair share. That's we right. want that. I think one one thing that uh, really strikes me about that parable is that again, like several of the other um, topics that we've talked about, like offense, especially, it really rubs against our ego. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's. Um, I have worked, you know, all day. I've been a part of your family for, you know, X amount of time. And you're, you're treating, um, you know, these workers who are coming. It's, it's, it rubs against our ego because we have given more, maybe, maybe, than someone else. And we feel slighted. We feel, it's so easy to feel that way. Like my efforts have been overlooked. Um, It just, I think anything that really rubs up against our ego in that way can be so hard, difficult to um, overcome. Yeah, and and it's like, uh, I think you see the real hypocrisy of the church and of Christians and me being one of them, this this is true of me too, my ego. But we um, we do have this mentality of, hey, I give more than the guy next to me. I should have a louder voice. I've served longer. Um, therefore, I've got greater status around here. Um, you know, I've, in, I've invested all along. I should be tapped for leadership. And yet, in the evangelical church, we all speak against the life of works. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't earn our way. God is a God of mercy. Um, you know, it, it's not by works that we're saved, it's by grace. So we'll say that out of one side of our mouth, and then out of the other side of our mouth, you know, we feel like we do have a greater stake. Mm-hmm. You know, we have earned our way. It should count that mm-hmm. we've done more than somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so comparison and works you know, really just come flying into it and that that is entitlement, Mm -hmm. you know. And I love what Mark pointed out, which is kind of painful and everybody could probably hear it coming in the sermon, which is, you know, if if we got what we deserve from God, 
it would be doom, gloom, destruction. I mean, the wages of sin is death. We were deserving of nothing. And yet it was God's salvation. It was God saying, you know, like the workers in the field, hey, sign on, join in. Abundance, life, right. um, rescue. And it's so, it's so um, interesting to think that as, as the workers, they could be offended as if they had a right to tell the owner what he could and mm-hmm. couldn't do, you know, with his money, um, you know, which is basically what they were saying, you yeah. know, you don't have any right to pay them what you paid us. That's good. But it didn't belong to them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the reason, <clears throat> part of the reason I called it a kingdom parable in the beginning is because it it's showing us how the kingdom works, which is not how America works. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very hard for us as Americans to grasp some of the themes that come out of that parable, but um, out of you know, out of this whole stream of entitlement, um, which is spiritually, we serve a king. You know, a king is a monarch. He calls the shots. You know, all life, you know, whether like an, an earthly king, you know, he sets taxation, he sets laws, he orders servants around, he puts the army over here. You know, he everything is set by the king. And spiritually... We are in a kingdom, and we are servants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, we're members of his household. You know, mm-hmm. we're his family. So right, there's some, right, right. right. But um, you know, it's not an American democracy. It is our king is unbelievably generous, benevolent. He is not. He is loving. He is love. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's in charge. I mean, even for us as as reformed Christians, you know, sovereignty. He's sovereign. He rules, he orders all things, and he rewards, he gives as he will. Mm. And again, as Americans, American Christians, we struggle with that. Yeah, and I think that parable also really speaks to the fact that we can't earn, we can't earn his favor. You know, we can't earn our wages, you know, as the parable says, we can't, um, you know, the, the, the people who showed up at the end of the day got exactly what the people who had been there all day, which just says, you know, God's not, I mean, we can't earn it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard, I think, on some level for some of us to grasp because if we work hard, we'll get what we, mm-hmm. what we worked for. Yeah, there's what's fair. Mm-hmm. Everything has to balance out. And add up, and you know everything is proportional to what I put in, I get out. Um, and the kingdom just—that's just not the way the kingdom of God works at all. And so where we're left, and this is—you mentioned this uh, this morning. I thought it was great. Um, you pointed back to another sermon Mark had preached about the mortification uh, principle. Different Mark. Oh, but different yeah. Mark. Was it, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was our Mark. <laughs> not our Mark. No. Yeah, I heard a. Sermon has been several years ago, different, different pastor Mark, but he, yeah, he preached on mortifi- the mortification uh, and which just sounds, it's like such a huge word, but yeah. you know, just the death of, right. um, ourself, death of entitlement, de- the death of 
these things in our life where we feel like we, well, I think, um, did Mark, I don't think Mark said this in his sermon. Maybe you talk, I can't remember. You've, anyway, I've heard this recently from somebody somewhere that, you know, maybe you said it in your sermon that the, um, you know, the lie that our parents tell us, you know, you can, or any, or teacher, that was you, right. I can do and be anything I want to be. Well, that message, A, it's not completely true, but on a spiritual level, that message tells us then that, um, we deserve, I can do whatever I want to do. I can, I can be whatever I want to be. I deserve good things. I deserve what I'm, you know, what I'm owed. I deserve, it's, it's, it is that entitlement mentality. I deserve the, the X, whatever it is. Um, but the mortification, (laughs) you know, the process says that we have to die to that because Hey, I mean, like you pointed out in your sermon, you're never going to be center of an NBA team, right? Um, I'm never going to be an opera singer. You know, I can't. We can't do whatever we set our mind to. Right. But we, when we give our kids that message, it it sets them up to believe to then feel disappointed when they don't get what they feel like they're entitled to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I I, I think of uh, when Jesus said, you know, if anyone would follow me. Mm-hmm. He would deny himself, take up his cross, and and come after me. Or the Bonhoeffer quote, you know, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what, what stands starkly opposed to entitlement is humility mm-hmm. and its service. Um, and I, I just, you know, that's part of what I dream about in a church is, you know, that we be a people who... Um, you know, we lose ourselves in serving the world. I don't mean be a doormat for the world or, you know, we can't say no, but our our uh, our goal is to serve, it's to love, it's to reach, it's to bless. Um, and that really is the life we're entitled to um, because, you know, with, with salvation, heaven is ours. Mm-hmm. The, the abundant life in Christ mm-hmm. is ours. You know, we're becoming new every day. Christ has begun a work that uh, he has promised to complete in his word. I mean, we are becoming every day. Right. Yeah, um, I like that, Being Mark. made beautiful. That's what we're entitled right. to versus, hey, God, you know, I paid my tithe. I should never struggle again financially. You know, Lord, I served over here in a soup kitchen. You know, therefore, you know, uh, I'd advance in my job. It's just, it really is this. Santa Claus, this slot machine God, you know, gumball God. Right. Um, but I really liked that Mark pointed out that there aren't, there's good entitlement. There's there's proper or right yeah. entitlement. You know, we are entitled to all of those things because we are in Christ. We are part of, we are his beloved. And so we are entitled to all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, we're entitled to an open door every time we pray. Mm-hmm. There's so many beautiful things. And I just, you know, if you're if you're like me and you're listening to this, um, one one very tempting response to have is um, to first of all see yourself 
on the wrong side of entitlement, which we all do. Everyone does. And to realize we all fall short of the glory of God in certain areas, and this is one of them. But instead of condemnation, say, okay, Lord, show me Mm -hmm. um, where I'm spoiled. You know, show me where, um, you know, I am entitled. And, you know, it's an invitation to repentance, not condemnation. Um, So so why is entitlement? Why is that attitude? Why is it so damaging to our hearts our spirit why is it damaging to us personally and then why is it damaging to the body of christ well you know to to the body of christ you see it in a lot of different ways you know sometimes you get whole churches of people that feel entitled um and because basically entitlement is tied to selfishness you know Mm -hmm. here's what i want here's how i expect it um you know i want to program to be like this, worship to be like this. I pay my tithe, here's what I want back. Um, it can become a very toxic, um, you know, a church too can be entitled in that it just sees itself as better than the rest of the world, you know. We're the good ones, and there are all those rotten sinners out there. Mm. You know, we're entitled to the favor, the love of God. We're going to hold on very tightly to God. Um, so it can become a corporate identity you know, sometimes a church just, they become the biggest church in town. And it's not just, hey, we're the biggest numerically, but we're the best. You know, we're, we're the elite. Um, and, of course, it, it's just damaging in a church whenever it, it runs rampant in individuals, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, folks who throw their weight around or they become the power brokers or... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really damaging to us personally too because it it well if it goes unchecked it just it it does I think can will <laughs> turn into like just this ugly pride you know this you know haughtiness this you know I've you know I deserve this and I'm gonna get it kind of attitude but before maybe you even get there where it just kind of goes unchecked, it just rages this war inside of us where we're constantly battling um, feeling feelings of entitlement. And um, so I think, I think it's just really, da- it can be so damaging to our spirit in that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you you just said a minute ago, you know when a, a, you know the the opposite or the flip side of entitlement then would be humility, and humility brings peace. Yeah. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say, and not doing a very good job is that entitlement brings just a war within us. Right. Humility on the other side just brings such peace. Yeah, and, and humility too is, you know, it uh, as the word says, you know, it humility prefers other people. Mm-hmm. It really is about preferring others above yourself, and that's that's what I think is very frightening about um, entitlement. Is that, you know, it seems like kind of oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, it's not one of those horrible words that you hear and you shriek back in terror over the word entitlement. But to become truly entitled. 
you've really run a long way away from the heart of God Mm -hmm. to get to the point. I'll give you an example. I had someone say to me in the church one time, um, pointed their finger at me and said, don't forget who pays the bills around here. Mm -hmm. You need to do what we want you to do. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to utter a statement like that, you know, there is a person has journeyed so far down this road of self-delusion and self-importance. And, um, and yeah, like, like you say, the flip side of that is, um, you know, just preferring other people like for, for the younger element of a congregation to think, you know, how, how can we worship in a way that honors the older generation, you know, for an older generation to say, you know, in some respects, we've, we've had our turn and we want to pass the baton. We want to, we want to see some of these younger ones come into leadership, um, uh, you know, or, or the older element saying, you know, of course we want to serve in the nursery. Um, instead of, hey, we've, we've, we've had our turn. We've done it. But, yeah, these are our kids, too. But for everyone to kind of hold that. Um, and and, and it, it's infectious. You know, then it becomes, hey, these people outside of our doors, they're not rotten, sinful rabble. They're lost. Mm-hmm. They're afraid. They're lonely. And, you know, we've got Jesus. I mean, we can meet them and love them and bless right. them. And they're not scary and rotten. They're the right. ones Jesus died for. So, it's a great sermon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's any other thoughts on, on any of this? Well, I just, I guess I'm always thinking, like, you know, um, practically, how do you... Maddie's at the window. Hey, Our daughter's Maddie. looking at us at the window. Hey, Maddie. <laughs> um, you know, I guess I'm just thinking practically how... So, <laughs> How do we do this? Like just to wrap yeah. up this four-week series on letting go of shame, leaving behind shame, leaving behind offense, unforgiveness, and entitlement. It sounds so much easier right. than, than maybe just a practical. And I really do, though, I mean, just to say this real quick, I do think a lot of it goes back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, which is just that mortification you know just dying to ourselves which sounds so (laughs) painful and in a lot of ways it is painful but also I think it can be a lot less painful if we um just allow that process just surrender to it you know Yeah. yeah I think I think a lot of it is examining for me it there are two things one is Hebrews 12 you referenced that at the beginning you know, okay, so how do we do this? How do we step out of entitlement? Well, part of it is Hebrews 12 too. We fix our eyes on mm-hmm. Jesus. He's a beautiful, he is the example. You know, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the joy set before him, he suffered mm-hmm. the, the agony of resurrection, crucifixion, you know, uh, false accusation, everything that went along with the cross. Um, for other people, you know, mm-hmm. to see a world saved. And so he's just such a beautiful example. But I think for me, very practically, one, one thing I do with that is I, I start looking at my rights and I insert other people. Like, here, here would be an easy one for me. Um, I've had a long, hard day in the office. I'm worn out. You know, maybe I've, like tomorrow, I have six, six appointments tomorrow. I'll be tired when I come home. So instead of, oh my gosh, I'm worn out, you know, I've, I've had it. I just, I deserve to take a bath in Jane's jet tub 
and, you know, put my feet up and watch what I want to watch. I don't want to be bothered, touched. I don't want, I don't want to hear children calling my name today. But to take that right and put it down and just to think of the rights of others. You know, mm-hmm. my kids have a right for their father to be present. You know, I'm going to sit down and talk with my wife. You know, just let's, it's kind of like George Costanza from Seinfeld. Whatever your instinct is, go the other way. <laughs> you know, don't think about what you get. What What is your reward at the end of the day? Mm. Love the people around yeah. you. Love, give to them, serve them. And I, right. I, I just think it's, it's a very very practical stepping away from whatever I want for me. And that's not, you know, that sounds glorious and it sounds holy. Not as easy as it sounds because you add in fatigue and everything else. But just being conscious of that and saying, I'm going to seize this moment to prefer this person. I'm going to pull over and help him change a tire. I'm going to get on the floor and play Legos with Noah, even though I'm now 50 years old, you know, or 51 those types of things, I think, are practical. How about you? Any anything come to mind? I think yeah, just what I said. Surrender. Um, so I, I wasn't going to share this, but I think I will. I think I'll share this dream that I had a couple of nights ago, um, which I feel like really ties into this uh, sermon series. And so I was driving. I've already shared it with you, but I was driving in a car and I was following some friends, um, and I had a couple of the, a couple, I think it was Lucy and Lydia were with me in the car and we were driving and it was nighttime. And every time I looked in my rear view mirror, there was a car behind me that was following me and a man was driving. And every time I looked, it, it was almost like he was in the back seat because I could see his face so clearly. And every time I looked back in my rear view mirror, his eyes were like, it was so... But his eyes were, um, they were like flashing pictures or scenes. And I, I don't know, I can't remember. But they were just flashing these things. And every time I would look back at that, I would go blind so that I could not see to drive. And the pull to look back, keep looking back was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But every time I did, I went blind. <laughs> um, and then I actually ended up driving the car off the road into this lake and Lucy and Lydia got out. We were like banged up, but we were, we were okay. But just when I woke up, I felt like the Lord just said to me really clearly, you've got to stop looking back. The, the, the things that you have left behind you, the more you look at those and dwell on those, they are making you blind to your future. Um, and I just, I wasn't planning on sharing that, but I just felt like I should, um, just in light of this sermon series, you know, these things that we keep holding on to, some of these things need to be dealt with. Absolutely. If shame, I mean, that's, you know, that's a huge thing for me in my life. It has been, but you know, I've, um, I've done the work, you know, to, to get healing and, and get whole and get counseling, offense, being offended, be, you know, having unforgiveness and entitlement now, you know, like, like do the work to get rid of those things, let them go, get healing where you need to get healing and then press on to the goal that's ahead. That's, that, uh, that's what I'm taking away from this sermon, sermon series is 
let go of what's back. Stop. The pull to keep looking back can be so strong. But the more we do it, the more it makes us blind Mm. to what is in front of us. That's good. Yeah, and I think that that ties into uh, what I said about condemnation before, that we like to look at those things in our life that are, uh, you know, they're ugly, they're hindrances, they're obstacles, they're weaknesses of the flesh. You know, they're, they're chronic sins. Look at them and get condemned. But to just hold on to the Word of mm-hmm. God. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Um, that there is no condemnation in Christ. It's, it's about freedom. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've talked about this before in our lives, but you know, when, when we see something like that, um, to offer it up to the Lord and to step away and to, to step into freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, well, good. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. We've probably exhausted that four-week series, which uh, was a really good one, I think, for it all of really, us. So. It was. All right, folks. Well, join us next week uh, when we go deeper still with our new sermon series. I just give you a hint. Has a little bit to do with the Old Testament. So uh, look forward to meeting you there, talking, thinking, praying, sharing life and the Word of God. Mm-hmm.